0: Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Beloved, it's wonderful to see everyone today. I appreciate everything that's gone on to this point, the way you all have worshipped God, and ev- everything we've done up to this point is an act of worship, as we would call it. And appreciate it so very much. Appreciate those of you joining us online. We're certainly going to be grateful when we can see you all. We see some folk here today that we haven't seen in a good while, and and we're grateful you're here, here with us as well, brothers and sisters. Um, uh, we sang today, and I and I'm assuming everyone participated in within the worship of song, but But we sang today together, and and what we did, uh, you're going to see this, I think, uh, we just sang my message. I appreciate Frankie and other song leaders that, that do take the time to look at my outline and and try to sing songs that go along with what we're going to be talking about. And um, so y'all sang my message, which means we can quit early today. Not, <laughs> no, we're going to preach anyway. But brethren, I want to talk. This is what I want to do, and the reason I asked for this particular scripture to be read from First Peter today is that oftentimes in the scripture, in fact, almost invariably, depending the the regardless of which author was writing the particular book in the New Testament, when ever. The church and God's people were going through a very tough time uh, they would always bring out a reminder they would always say yeah but look at all the blessings they acknowledge their struggles they acknowledge in fact Peter goes on to say in, in all these things that, that uh, uh, was just read to us we greatly rejoice even though for now uh, for a time we uh, have to encounter various trials and 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 the, some of those various trials where well, they were actually being put to death for serving their Lord so so when they would go through those trials and tribulation in a hard time, they would give them reminders. Paul would do that. Peter would do that. James would do that. Several of the New Testament, John in the book of Revelation would do that and say, here's the bad thing that's happening. We're not sugarcoating that at all. But man, look at what you have in Christ. And, brethren, that's what I want to do this morning is is to try to do that. Because, you know, you, you hear a lot, especially if you watch the news and everything, people say, well, we've been through a really, really rough year in our country, you know, with the COVID and and other things that's going on, you know, and, and, and times are really hard right now. And a lot of people have lost jobs and income, and others have been ill. There's been a, quite a number that's gotten the COVID, and and so we've gone through some tough times. We have, brethren. Now, and I try to put things in perspective, too, and, and I'm not sure, I'm not trying to uh, make light of what... Anybody in, has gone through in our country, brethren. But but we have been so blessed. And I think we need to be reminded of this also. We have been so blessed in our country. That I, I mean, I mean, the way we've had to endure COVID is nothing like our brethren in India. I mean, I mean, they, they're having it hard over there, and still, and and no aid, and and hardly any, and 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 we need to be praying for them. Nevertheless, we have gone through a very tough time in America as well, and so. I want to follow the biblical principle, uh, the biblical dictate of our early writers of the Bible and and do the same likewise. When the church is going through a hard time, what do you do? Do you say give up? Do you say let's quit? Do you say it's too hard? Let's close our doors. Let's go back out in the world. They said no, you remember. You remember what you have in Jesus Christ and then you live a victorious life. That's what I want to talk about today, brothers and sisters. In fact, John 10, verse 10, when Jesus takes, uh, tells the reason that he's come as a good shepherd, um, he says, you know what, I come that, the, that people may have life, but he didn't just stop there, but he said, I come that they can have the abundant life. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, no matter what we're going through, we need to live that way, amen? because we're going to win in the end. The Bible makes that clear. Just read the book of Revelation. Somebody says, well, Brother Green, you know the Christian life is a great burden. After all, Jesus himself said, in the world you will have tribulation. So we have to endure this life and the burdens of this life and and, and there's no joy or reward here, but our reward will be in heaven someday. Brothers and sisters, that's only half true. Jesus did say there's going to be tribulation in this world. Those who desire to live godly, the Bible says, will suffer persecution. We're going to go through trial and tribulation. We under understand that, or we should understand that, but when Jesus said in the world you will have tribulation, he didn't end the sentence there. He said, but take courage because I have overcome the world. And if Jesus has overcome the world, then we through him will also overcome the world. We are going to be victorious. In fact, brothers and sisters, even in our defeat, we're in the process of claiming victory. Amen? The devil cannot stomp us down completely unless we give ourselves to him and leave Christ and go back out into his kingdom. So, somebody, you know, but brethren, we need to live the abundant life. I I think sometimes the world looks at some Christians and it's like they're saying to them, get saved and come be miserable with us. You know, leave the joyful lifestyle you think you're having and you come be miserable and mourn with us, brothers and sisters. You know, um, and it shouldn't be that way at all. The Bible always held out that we Christians should be joyful. As Paul said in Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And he said that while he was in prison. And his people he was writing to was in the midst of great persecution. So brethren, what I want to do is to... Uh, help us to understand that even in our darkest hour, so to speak, even when things seem the very worst, we must realize that we still have an abundant life through Christ and that the blessings that are that are ours in Christ, even during and sometimes especially during those darkest times of our life. The Bible says, Paul reminds the Corinthians, that though he, Jesus, was rich, yet for our sake, for our sake, he became poor so that we through his Poverty may be become rich. If you don't have two quarters to rub together, you are rich if you're in Jesus Christ. Amen? We're blessed, brethren, and we need to understand that. Again, I'm not sugarcoating anybody's problem. I'm simply doing what the Bible is doing. They acknowledge the problem but said, those problems are minuscule compared to what you have in Christ. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8 says, that I consider that the, 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 the troubles or the, uh, the bad things of this life are not even worthy to be compared to what we have waiting for us. Brothers and sisters, what are we having, Jesus Christ? That was the introduction, number one, and this is in the tune of four Fs that we have in Christ, and this is certainly not an exhaustive list of the blessings that the Bible mentions from Genesis to Revelation. My goodness, we could do a whole series. And I like the song, Count Your Many Blessings, name them one by one, but it's impossible to do, brothers and sisters. Do you understand that? We can't count our blessings and name them one by one. There are far too many. In fact, God has blessed us in ways we won't even see, I don't think, till we get to heaven. But what are some of the great blessings we have in Jesus Christ? Number one, we have a father. I think that's where it begins. 1 John 3, 1, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God and such we are. Brothers and sisters, have you considered that? John is amazed. He said, don't you understand that concept? Do you understand that? Brothers and sisters, that, that the Bible says God sent his son to die on that horrible cross while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of his, and 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 then he dies for us, and and now he wants relationship with us. Can you comprehend that? Can we really comprehend that? God loved us even while we were sinners and deserving hell and deserved not one solitary blessing in the world from him, much less the sacrifice of his son. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that so has such a powerful statement, that little two-letter word. The Creator desiring not just any relationship. You know, God could have saved us and said, well, I'm going to save you and put you in heaven if you, if you, if you remain faithful to me, but I really don't want a relationship with you sinners. God would be absolutely right if he decided to do that. But not only does he want a relationship with his people, not just any relationship, brothers and sisters, he wants a father-child relationship with those who uh, have sinned against him and nailed his son on a cross. We sing that song sometime. The, the chorus is, Oh, what love, what precious love. There's a poem that was written years and years ago, probably in the 1600s or so, that says, How thou can love me and be the God thou art is darkness to my intellect, but sunshine to my heart. Beloved, if you are in Christ, you have a heavenly Father. And He is a perfect Father, unlike us. We fathers try to do our best, and we fall short, and we understand that. But Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11 says this about our heavenly Father. What person among you is there who, who, when his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? I mean, most fathers are not that cold-hearted. Or if he asked for a fish, you were not giving him a snake, Willie. I have. But that's different. So if you just despite being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Brothers and sisters, that is our heavenly Father, isn't it? And then and then Romans chapter 9, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 8 verse 32. Romans th- 8 is such a wonderful uh, book. It just gives all so many blessings that are in Christ. But this is how he, put, he sums it up. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? God doesn't hold back anything that's good and right for his children. Now, sometimes we pray and ask God for things that ain't good and right, and and when he gracefully and lovingly withholds those things, we think he's being mean or unreasonable, and that's not the case at all. He may be saving your life. And so, brothers and sisters, if you are God's child, you are royalty, you are a king's kid, and you need to understand that. So don't you allow anyone to put you down for being a Christian or for any other reason. You just smile if somebody's trying to put you down. I know self-esteem's a big thing in our society today. Young people, well, even older folk, you shouldn't have to struggle with self-esteem if you're in Jesus Christ because God Almighty is your Heavenly Father, amen? That That should just fix a whole lot. I mean, that should do it right there. Number two, the Father uh, in heaven provides perfect forgiveness, and only he can do that through his son, Jesus. In Luke 15, 20, we see the prodigal son, and he's gone away, and he has spent his share of the inheritance, and he has not spent it, but squandered it, the Bible said, on loose living and done everything possibly he could probably do that would disappoint his father. He done his father wrong in so many ways. And yet, he ends up in the pig pen, which, friend, is where you're going to end up when you leave Christ. Always, you can have, I've seen pig pens with water, wall, carpet, and air conditioning, and a fancy car in the garage, but it's still a pig pen. And you're going to end up there when you leave the Lord. And this is where this boy did, and he was so hungry, he was willing to eat pig slop. If you ever slop hogs, you can appreciate that statement. And he gets up and when he comes to his senses and he says, I'm gonna to go to my father's house because there's plenty of food there. And and I'm and he was preparing his speech, I'm gonna say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your hired hands, and I'll sleep out in the bunk house, you know, the bunk house with all the other hired hands, you know, and, and you won't even have to consider me a son. And you know what? The boy's right. He was right in his thinking. He didn't deserve the love that he gets from his heavenly father. But what does he have? You know, um, the Bible tells us that in, as he comes home, this is what the Scripture says, so he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, don't miss that, brethren. His father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I preached on that and I titled it, When God Ran. In this day and age... It was extremely undignified for a man of that society to run. The only reason you were to run is if if, if your life was in mortal danger. You didn't run. It was considered undignified. The father ran. And he didn't just run. He embraces that dirty, filthy, stinking boy. And he kisses him. And the Greek says it's repeatedly. Repeatedly over and over and the boy tries to give his speech father I'm not worthy it it was like shut up wouldn't let him finish bring the calf let's rejoice beloved that is forgiveness do did that boy deserve that forgiveness no do we no no why did the father see that boy a long ways off He was looking for him. He would go out every night, as it were, every evening, and look down that long road home and see if that boy was coming. That was the father's action. That was his attitude. Do you notice his attitude was not, I told you so, boy? Get out of here. You deserve exactly what you got. You squandered my inheritance. You shamed me. You did everything you could possibly do to to, to hurt me, And, and now you're going to come back begging for forgiveness? Ain't no way, boy. You hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more. He could have done that and been right to do it. He didn't give the boy what he deserved. Instead, he celebrated, brothers and sisters. He celebrated. Ephesians 1.7 says that, that while in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And the next verse said that he lavished that grace on us, brothers and sisters. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us. So we have forgiveness. First John 1, 7 through 7-9 puts it this way, okay, and it, it's such a great verse. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, talking about God, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I don't have time to going today, but that means in the Greek, brothers and sisters, it's a continual thing. As long as we continue to repent, he continues to cleanse us, he continues to forgive us, and he goes on to say, lest anybody get uh, the wrong idea, and these Gnostics in the church had, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in. Us. John is saying, when he says we and us, he's talking about himself as well as every Christian. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from most of our unrighteousness. All, all, brethren, this is what God does. And, and he does it in such a marvelous way. So we have, for, we have forgiveness, brothers and sisters, we have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We ought to rejoice that we have a father that's willing to forgive us and a father that does indeed forgive us. We have forgiveness. And then, of course, if you have a father, number three this morning, we have family, right? We have family because when you're born into Christ, you're born into the family of God. If you have a father, you're going to be added to the father's family. So when you're baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, John 3 says you're born into God's family. As we sang just a few minutes ago, And in God's family, you're going to find love and security and acceptance and belonging and and so many other wonderful things where you'll be needed and wanted, a place where you're standing or your educational level or lack of or your bank account or your beauty or your popularity or lack of, all those things does not matter. It's going to be that way. We were so blessed in Augusta, Georgia, when we started a church there in the early '80s from scratch, and and um, and 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 we just went out in our community and brothers and sisters, we were blessed to convert a couple of prostitutes. We were blessed to convert people who were addicted to uh, different kinds of drugs and alcohol. Um, we uh, we uh, uh, Augusta is somewhat of a melting pot because of the military there. We were close to Fort Gordon, and we had people from all parts of the world, different races, and we were blessed to have a variety. A, a wonderful, marvelous variety of people from different parts of the world, different skin colors, different races, and everything. And um, and and I had a guy one time, very adamant, very strict, very hard nosed, you know. <clears throat> and and he come up to me one day and he said, "You all bring in the wrong kind of people in this church." I said, oh, I, "I need you to explain that to me. And, what do you mean wrong kind of people?" He said, "You just let anybody come here." He said, "You have no standards." You have no standards of who can come to this church. Well, brethren, that just irritated me because it's as unbiblical as it can be. My goodness. So I said, no, 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 no. You need to understand, brother, we have two very strict criteria that everybody has to meet before they can be a member of this church. Oh, he lit up. Oh, Oh, I hadn't heard of them. What are they? I said, number one, you have to be a sinner, and number two, you must need a Savior. And if you can meet those criteria, you're welcome here. Oh, he bowed up and left and never come back. Pruning. But somebody in God's family... Done me wrong, Brother Green. You talk about this nice, beautiful, sweet, loving family. I love that. Well, you know, it's so wonderful. Uh, I've seen Christians do that, brother. That's not inaccurate. <coughs> um, you know, and yet I don't feel that. You know, you talk about all them one another verses and how we're to love and encourage and uplift and, and bear one another's burdens and do all that, and I just don't feel that, Brother Green. And how come? There's a couple of reasons I have found over the years for that, brethren. Two main reasons, okay? One is we are an imperfect, sinful family. Amen. We're going to get on each other's nerves now and then. I have a sweet wife, but she irritates me every once in a while. I don't tell her that because I like to eat supper. But no, brother, we're going to get on each other's nerves every night. We're going to have our differences. We're we're made up of a a variety of people in the Lord's church, and God wants it to be that way, so we're not perfect. And we are going to mess up, and we are going to make mistakes, and we may overlook a need in your life sometime that we don't even know about. There's a lot of variables that's going to happen there, brothers and sisters. That's why we need to continue to grow together. But the second point and the second reason is that I have found just from hard experience that. Most people that come to me about a complaint like that are contributing nothing whatsoever to the family and to make it better. They come in, they sit, they leave, they don't have anybody over to their house, they don't come to any of the meetings hardly, they don't go to any of the fellowship things we have, they don't, they don't, they're not involved. And you've heard the old saying that's been around for eons, you know, uh, you get something, you get out of something what you want. Put into it, brethren. And so... We are indeed an imperfect family. We won't be the perfect family until we get to heaven as we sing in the song. But in the meantime, we strive and we struggle and we work together and we forgive one another and, and we encourage one another and we do all those things the Bible says. And although we'll do it imperfectly, it can still be a wonderful family if everybody would do their part as the First Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 says. Amen? Thank you all for that week. Amen. Okay, brethren, those things are going to happen, okay? Um, you see, but, but we stay in God's family, and we continue to grow, and we continue to strive, and we continue to try to make things do better. And, and so, but in the family, brothers and sisters, if we do it right, we're going to have Fellowship. Now, again, some people don't because they refuse to, okay? Listen, God doesn't force anybody to do anything. We can't lasso and tie people up, you know? We had our last fellowship we had, which we hadn't had for a while because of the COVID. We, we, uh, some of the ladies got together and decided to honor us dads and invited the men of the congregation to a fish fry. And from what I understand, there were over 40, right? Uh, I didn't get an exact count, but over 40 men there. And brethren, we had a blast. But if you look around at everybody that wasn't there, there's a whole lot of folk that could have been there now. I'm not judging anybody. I know there's some people that couldn't be there for various reasons, but there were some that could, but they just natural. I won't say naturally, but but uh, they're common practice is to not to go to those things like that. That's where we get intimate. That's where we get to know each other. That's where we sit down across the table and talk to one another and have that true fellowship that the Bible says. A lot of people, the fellowship they get in God's family is a few minutes before service and a few minutes afterwards when they decide they got to beat everybody else to the restaurant. That's not enough, brothers and sisters. That's why we need the life group ministries. We, we need fellowship with one another. And the Bible says in God's family, we have it with one another and with God. 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7. Okay? We have that. This is the message, John says, that we have heard from him and announced to you, that we, meaning the apostles, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, that's one thing some folk need to get straight. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Brothers and sisters, we don't do anything perfectly here on this earth. If we don't have, we, 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 we are not going to have perfect fellowship, but we can have, as the song says, sweet, sweet fellowship with one another, with God and with one another. And, and so the closer our relationship is to the heavenly father, the better fellowship we're going to have with his children. Amen? So, brethren, let's just try to get closer and closer to our heavenly Father, and then we'll just more naturally get along with one another. Okay, it's 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 good, godly fellowship, brothers and sisters. The kind that you don't get out in the world. That's the kind we need. Okay. So we have Father forgiveness fellowship, and then of course in Christ in God we have a future. We have a future not only in this sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now. Brothers and sisters, God has a plan for us in this world, and we need to understand that. The Christian can look forward to the future with eager anticipation. And Romans eight twenty eight says the reason we can do that is because we know that God causes all things to work together for our good. So whatever you're going through at this current moment, whatever you've gone through in the past, God has worked or is working all that stuff together for your good. We need to understand that. We have a future. In the 1800s, there was a mid-1800s, there was a very famous atheist by the name of Thomas Thomas Huxley. You can read a lot about him. He was an atheist, he was a college professor, and he went around uh, constantly across our country uh, wherever he could meet, wherever he could get a large crowd, and he would give all these speeches and so-called evidence that there is no God and basically if you believe in the myth called God you were pretty ignorant kind of deal you know and uh, he had, would hold these huge seminars uh, attempting to discredit our Lord and he would go to these very large cities and, and he left his motel on time he needed to catch a train and he was running late and he assumed that the doorman had given the carriage driver the instructions because that was the common uh, practice in those days The the guy that would get in the carriage would usually just jump in the carriage. The the, the 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 driver of the carriage was supposed to have already been told where he was gonna go and and be prepared to do that. And so he when he gets in the, in and in, in the carriage he simply says to the carriage driver, Go fast or I shall be late. And so realizing, uh, you know, that the driver, man, he whipped them horses and took off, man. I mean, they were running at full speed and Thomas Huxley looked around. He'd been in this town before and he realized he was going away from the train station. And so he sticks his head out and says to the driver, do you know where you're going? And he said, no, sir, but I am going very fast. Beloved, that describes the world today. A lot of people in the world don't know where they're going, but they're going there real fast. I read an article some years ago of a very rich businessman who committed suicide, and he, had, he was one of the times that was a jet setter, been all over the world, done it all, seen it all, been there, done that. I mean, I mean kind of like Solomon, you know. And in his suicide note, he talked about all the things he had experienced, but then he said this, and, he, and I quote, but I am tired of trying to fill up 24 hours a day. So he takes his own life. But as Christians, brothers and sisters, we have a future. We know who holds that future. That's why so many are able to endure great suffering. This is what the Apostle Paul said about our future. Um, and uh, Romans 8, 38. I'm sorry, brother. I've I run ahead of myself, didn't I? I'm convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor principality nor things present nor things to come nor powers. Will it go on or is that it? I, I was thinking there was more. Okay. Y'all know the verse, right? Look it up when you get home, all right? And not uh, my fault, brethren. I did run ahead, okay? But as Christians, you have 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 up there? But for I am already being poured out. This is Apostle Paul in jail waiting to die. I'm already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good faith. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I'm sorry. I have kept the faith, and in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. Brothers and sisters, we have a glorious, marvelous, wonderful future. That's why the writer in Hebrews, speaking to a persecuted people and encouraging them to remain faithful, says this in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Jesus said that in John 14. Okay? Brethren, God has prepared a city for those who are looking for that. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through as we sing, right? But he has prepared a place for us. And brothers and sisters, if he's prepared a place for us, it's going to be marvelous. As wonderful as his creation on earth is, heaven's going to be a ton better. So brethren, beloved, friends... You can have these blessings and more. This is only a small part of the blessings in Christ. We have a Father. We have forgiveness. We have family and fellowship. And we have a future. But these things are found only in Christ. And you need to be in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, we encourage you to get there. Because, beloved, there's only two eternal homes at the end of time. There's only two. Where's yours going to be? You can enjoy these four F's in Christ and so much more. Be determined to do that while we stand and sing this morning.